0: Amen. Good evening. <laughs> There's uh, it's good to see, you know, I was, uh, tonight y'all have a message that is hot off the press because literally Nicole was like, uh, I could use some notes so we could put them up on the slides. I was like, I could use some notes too. That'd be real nice. <laughs> I, I knew the topic and I knew it was going to be great. You're in for a treat tonight but i didn't know i didn't know all the notes and so i man i was finishing them up you can find those right now if you go to uh, boomerangchurch.org/notes if you have an ipad or a phone you can pull those up and have those notes to look at uh all that stuff it's there to help you you don't have to do that but uh, it's always there for you to pull it up and and we can get them to you if you ever need them but most time they're on the website but uh tonight uh I was actually coming in here, you know, late because of that, and I was finishing putting that stuff together. I've just been praising God. And I've been seeking them all day long just to ask them, Lord, what do you want to talk about tonight? Most of the time, what we like to do is kind of uh, tack on to whatever we've been talking about on Sunday, or at least we've been trying to do that a little bit more. Not always. We're just led. We let the Holy Spirit lead us. And so I couldn't really see something that needed to be tacked on the Sunday. And God, I didn't, I didn't see that. I'm sure God was letting me know the whole time, but I was missing it. And, uh, then about, about an hour and a half ago, it all hit. And I went, ah, I know what it is. And as soon as he showed me it, I I thought, man, this is going to be awesome. So tonight, I was coming in a few minutes late, and man, how awesome is it to have to find a parking spot? I was, I was like, praise God, there's a bunch of cars in the parking lot, amen. I'm pulling in, I'm like, where am I going to park? There's people all... Anyway, so hallelujah, I like that. So good to see you all. Good to see anybody who's watching the archive or live stream. Welcome. And uh, uh, anyway, we're talking tonight about avoiding deception and the unknown. Avoiding deception and the unknown. And uh, Father, I just ask that you would open up our eyes tonight. Lord, let us just walk in the fullness of your light and nothing short of it. And we praise you for it and we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I just, I encourage you right now, open up your heart. Let the Lord speak to your heart right now. As we get into this and the word starts pouring out, Open up your heart so that the seed of the word can be planted inside of you so that it it can produce fruit. Amen? Amen. So let's turn to Isaiah chapter 60 and verse 1. This is the scripture that we've been using in the Be the Light series. You can see this is not just a series for this year, but this is a theme that will be ongoing for all the rest of this year. Is We have to recognize that Jesus was the light, but now in this earth, you are, through Christ, the light. You are the light of the world. And that every believer is the light of the world. Jesus said that. That's red letters. But then he says this. And, he, and in Isaiah 60, he says, Arise, shine. Arise, shine, for your light has come. So let me ask you this. If you're a believer, most everybody here is believers that I know of. If you're a believer, has your light come? Oh, yes, it has. His name was Jesus, and it was awesome. He was a brilliant light to light up your life. Arise, shine, for your light has come. So this is fulfilled, except for the part that now that it's speaking to you, your job is now to say, self, I need to arise you. I need to get up and shine. In other words, if I'm not shining the way that God wants me to shine, then I need to get up to that place and I need to shine like he wants me to. The glory of the Lord has risen upon me. You need to see this as a reality. You need to see this as this thing's done and you need to see it as now I have a responsibility. Jesus and God they played their part. The Holy Spirit's playing his part and now it's time for me to play my part which is to get up let the light shine on you and through you through Jesus Christ, right? Amen. Praise God. <laughs> Hallelujah. So, all right. There's. Uh, let me show you something. I want to. Uh, let's say that we are. This is the path of God. Okay god 's path that's the good one that's the right one that's where we want to be now we talked about on Sunday that we were uh, we need a reset fellowship the beginning of us arising and shining is we need to be reconnected with God so that his light can shine through us now if you haven't heard that series on reset, you really need to hear it i I would encourage every believer. Everywhere, anywhere to hear that series because, in my opinion, looking at the scripture and the way the Holy Spirit presented it to me, walking in a Reset Fellowship is the most important thing a believer can do. And so if you want to watch that, uh, you can go to boomerangchurch.org reset. There's all the video, the audio, and the notes, and it will, it will bless you. But here's something that we learned in that series, and is this. Is that as much as we want to be on God's path? It became very evident that at the beginning we got off His path, and we have we're still like down here in two thousand fifteen. We are still not on this path. This became very, very evident that we're not on this path. Matter of fact, let me do this because green is go, and we have been in the red and uh, not not good. So here's 2015. Now, this became very evident that we were not in the path that God had. He had something laid out that was awesome. He has a path for us, but where we have been at the church as a whole in this time, it's not been on God's path. Now, we laid that out in that series. We talked about it some it became very evident. I'll give you some examples of that right now. So In God's path, let's look at are we in, according to the word, a better covenant? Yes, we are. If we're believing in Christ, then we have a new and a better covenant. So things in the new covenant, the better covenant, they should be better, right? I mean, that kind of goes, they should be better. But yet, let's look at a couple of things. Let's look at Adam. Adam, after he fell, so now Adam is in the curse, right? And yet, God walks into the garden, and Adam and Eve are aware of the presence of God. Yet, today, there's a whole bunch of people, the Holy Spirit comes in, and we don't even know it. As a matter of fact, I heard a testimony this week, Todd and I heard a testimony of somebody who who the Lord uh, granted some access to see how the Holy Spirit worked, and I wanted to share this with you anyway. This is as good a place as any. And it said, watch, if people would yield to my Holy Spirit, I can help them. And I'm going to show you some examples. So they were kind of in the Spirit, and the Lord showed them a man sitting on the couch reading, uh, reading his newp- newspaper. He said, now this man has some issues, and, and he's got a question, and he needs answers. Now I'm going to try to move on him. So he's sitting on the couch. And he was showing how the Holy Spirit tries to help. And, and the guy was sitting there reading the newspaper. And about that time, it, he, uh, he saw the Holy Spirit go up into the guy's feet and, and nudge his spirit. And, and the guy reading the newspaper, he goes. And he looks around, drops the newspaper, looks around. And then, then he, goes, he just goes right back to reading and he didn't yield to the holy spirit. He said then the, then he saw another person. Now this is somebody I know that was moving in the spirit seeing these things. And uh so and I've watched their fruit over the year and I believe what they said was very true. And so there was another person plus we know by scripture that the holy spirit moves kind of like this. And so there was this lady and uh, she was washing dishes and uh Jesus was talking to this guy, and he said, you know what? He said, this lady's got a bunch of problems, and she needs help. And she's sitting there, and she was singing praise to God and washing dishes. He said, I'm going to try and help her and answer her question. Holy Spirit comes on, and he he comes up. He he nudges her spirit, and she goes. She stops washing dishes and looks around, and then just goes right back to washing. If she would have just said, what do you want, Lord? If she had just yielded her spirit to the Holy Spirit, it could have helped. But a lot of times, we don't even recognize the Spirit of God because we've been walking here thinking we're walking here. We think we're walking on God's path. We think we've got all this stuff down. And we see the average Christian existence and say, even the best ones, we say, I think that's awesome. But I think some of the greatest Christian experiences and Christian people that we see are still walking like right down here. But most of us, we're not even close to what God's called us to. And there was one more guy that um, he he was sitting in church and uh, he was sitting there, and, and again, he needed an answer. He needed help. And he said, watch this. I'm going to try to help this man. And he was sitting, he was sitting like back over here, and, um, and he was sitting there in church. And he said, then the Holy Spirit came and moved on the preacher, and the preacher spoke out the exact answer that the guy needed. But the guy wasn't even paying attention. He was in church, but he wasn't even really listening. And he missed the answer that the Holy Spirit had moved through the preacher. If we would yield ourselves to the Spirit of God, that would be awesome. We could move into so many more blessings, and we could help not only ourselves, but tons of people that are around us. But the problem is, a lot of us don't even recognize that God wants to be that real to us because... We've been walking on this path lower than what actually God has planned for us. So another example is uh, is Cain. You know, Cain, here he's under the curse, and now he's a murderer. And one of the things that he does, he has a full-out conversation with God. I mean, paragraphs, not just like, hey, God, hey. You know, it wasn't just like that. It was like a full-out conversation with God. And, uh, here's, and all of a sudden... When's the last time you had a full-out conversation with God? And maybe, you know, some of y'all know about Reset. You've been growing and learning in these things. But this was a regular thing. And one of the things that Cain said, I never thought that I'd learn something from Cain in a positive way. But one of the things that he said was, Lord, now that I have done this to my brother Abel, now that I've done this, you will remove your face from me. And that's one of the things we talked about in the Reset series was he was in the face of God. Even under the curse, he was so used to the right level of relationship with God, he was so used to that, that it was still normal, more normal for him under the curse than it has been for us, and we have Jesus. Now, the problem is not God. It's not that we can't get here and have it better. It's us and what we've gotten used to. On Sunday, we talked about ever having like a shake or a, or a rattle in your car, and after a while, you don't even realize that you have the shake or the rattle until you get it fixed. And then it's like, God, oh, this is awesome. It's peace, quiet, no shake, no whistle, no whatever, Right? See, we, we'll get in the car and there'll be like a little rattle or a noise and I got like the girls climbing all over the seats trying to pushing up on stuff. Where is that coming from? And then all of a sudden you get that thing going and it's so peaceful. It's so nice. Well, we've got a shake and a rattle in our fellowship and in our relationship. Look at a couple of other examples. New, te- New Testament versus Old Testament. Old Testament, under the curse, don't have Jesus, Enoch. He walks and talks with God all day, every day long to the point where God takes him. Well, who's the last person you know? Who's the last Christian you know that God just took because they were so close together? How about this? How about Moses? Now he's under the curse and under the law, and yet he understands God and gets to know God. He doesn't have Jesus yet, yet he gets to know God so well. He says, Lord, show me your glory and God does show him his glory. He says, "You can't see, you can't see my face now with the curse and the, and the law and it. You can't see that, but I'll show you as I pass by." And look, Moses is up there and while he's receiving the 10 commandments, he comes down there and he is lit up so bright that it scares people. They have to put a veil on their face. How many Christians you know do that? How many Now what I'm saying is is there a brighter light than maybe what we have seen. Is there a brighter light that we can walk in than what we have seen? I would say yes. And what's, yes, obviously. Amen. And here's the other thing. And what did we see in Jesus, though? We saw Jesus recognizing the presence of God. We saw Jesus talking with God. We saw Jesus taken up to heaven. His body's nowhere to be found because he was taken. We saw him on the Mount of Transfiguration, lit up. And it's not just because he was Jesus. He had to go through the same stuff we did. He just went into a fellowship with God like it was designed to be. And he set the example for us on how to live. Amen? All right. Here's the thing. Now let's show this. Let's put God's knowledge, understanding, wisdom. I know I got great handwriting, I apologize. And our knowledge. Now, There's this gap between here. There's this gap between what we know and what God knows. Now, here's the thing. We are, we talked about this at the men's group the other night. We, as Christians, we are to be content, okay? We need to learn how to be content. And it says, actually, godliness is a means of great gain when accompanied by contentment. That's 1 Timothy 6, verse 6. And then verse 8 says, and contentment, you need to be content with these two things, food and covering. If you have food and covering, you should be content. If we can learn to get to the place where we're content, and then we mix that with godliness, God says and makes a promise, it's actually a means of great gain gain in your life so we need to be content but let me say this we need we are to be content but we are also to not be satisfied with lack does that make sense in other words if God has given us the ability to get up in here and we are actually down here we're not to be content with lack we're to find out what God wants for us and get to that place Arise, shine. In other words, whatever rising you got to do, you better get to it. That's your job. That's your responsibility. Arise, shine. Now, here's the thing. What is the devil's only weapon? The devil has one weapon. Because he's out of power. He has no more power anymore. But he does have a weapon and he uses it. Let's turn to Revelation. Actually, let's turn to uh, Genesis chapter 3 verse 13. Genesis chapter 3 verse 13 says this. The Lord God said to the woman, What is this you have done? And the woman said, The serpent Deceived me, and I ate the weapon that the devil had against mankind and it started all the way back there he's still pulling the same thing is deception if you'll look in revelation twelve nine You'll see, I'm going to go through a couple of scriptures here real quick in Revelation. You have 12, 9, and you have uh, Revelation 20, verse 2 and 3. And then you have Revelation 7, 20, verse 7 and 8. So let's just look at these. These are not all of them, but this is a good uh, snapshot of it. Revelation 12, 9. And the great dragon was thrown down, the serpent of old who is called the devil, and Satan who deceives the whole world. And he was thrown down... To the earth and his angels were thrown down with him. What does he do? He deceives the whole world. Now let's look at the next one, Revelation 20 2 and 3. And he laid hold of the dragon, the serpent of old who is the devil and Satan and bound him for a thousand years and he threw him into the abyss and shut it and sealed it over him so that he would not deceive the nations any longer until the thousand years were completed. After these things he must be released for a short time. Verse 7 and 8, when the thousand years are completed, Satan will be released from his prison and will come out to deceive the, uh, deceive the nations which are in the four corners. So what you're seeing is every time the devil comes into the earth or goes out of the earth, in other words, wherever he goes, what is he bringing with him? Deception. Deception. He's bringing deception, and he's deceiving people. You see, you are blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places right now. You have no lack in Christ. You are seated with Christ in heavenly places at the right hand of the Father right now. You are the righteousness of God in Christ. You have all the power and authority that Jesus had when he said, I'm sending them the same way that he sent me. And he said, all power and authority is given to me. That means the devil had none. And then he says, go therefore, make disciples. So what he's saying is, all the stuff that Jesus has, you have it right now. The difference is, you don't know it maybe. Or maybe even you know it here, but you don't know it here. You don't know it in your heart. You know it in your mind. Maybe you you know about the facts of it, but maybe it's not full revealed truth to the heart of who you are yet. And so the, what the devil has done throughout the church and throughout the world is he keeps telling them how bad they are and how much sin they got and all these other things. And and he keeps pulling the symptoms up on them and telling them they're not healed and telling them that they're, they're a bunch of dirty, filthy, rag sinners, you know. And he tells them all kinds of everything else and we've just been eating it. And then you got preachers who will stand up under the condemnation that they've been deceived in listening to this filthy rascal and they'll get up here and tell you how bad you are too and then it sounds like like god's backing up what the devil's saying and he is not but there's the issue with deception is this and this is kind of funny and it's kind of simple but you would not be deceived if you could see the deception would you (laughs) if you could see the deception you wouldn't be deceived now i know that's simple. But think about it. In other words, how long can you walk in deception if you don't start opening your eyes? If you don't purpose yourself to learn the truth and open your eyes, then you'll walk in deception for years never knowing that you were deceived. So the first point about coming out of deception and avoiding it is to constantly be opening up your eyes to the heart of God, to who he is. You remember he said, you will, if you know the truth, you will be free. He said the truth will set you free, but he doesn't just say know the truth. He says if you continue in my word, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So it's not just gaining facts. It's starting to gain facts and do those things and opening up your eyes and opening up your heart to what the Lord has for you. Here's the thing. You can be right here. You can be on this line, walking this path, and not know that you're off. You, know, you get so used to the rattle, you get so used to the curse in the world and lack of knowledge that you don't know there's a greater and easier way. And so the first part of us walking out of deception is recognizing, you know what? On some level, I guarantee you, I've been on this path and my knowledge does not equal God's. And when we start to recognize that and we start to to realize that and judge ourselves correctly and say, oh man, you know what? I don't know everything God knows. In other words, let me me put it this way. Is God likely to do something you don't understand? (laughs) Is God likely to pull something out you have never heard of or at least you think you've never heard of it? So in other words, for us, when we get to the place where we're like, oh, I know God wouldn't do that, or I know God wouldn't do that, I know he wouldn't, I know he wouldn't make somebody shake under the power or something like that, says who? That's not written in there as an absolute, so you can't say, I know he wouldn't. So in other words, there's all kinds of things. Well, I know God wouldn't do this. What's the key to all of this is starting to get to know God so well that when the devil tries to pull the shades down over your eyes, you're like, "Uh uh-uh, I know the truth. I know his nature. I know who he is. I know his love. You know, one of the huge things that we need to know and recognize is that you've got all of the Old Testament, and in, in the Old Testament it looks like God's just going around zapping people, wearing people out, stomping on people, and, and just being rude, crude, and obnoxious to them. And then you got Jesus coming in, and he's like, "Forgive them, for they know not what they do." And and it's like, all right, some people want the God that's like, <clears throat> you know, they really don't want that because if they were that way with them, you know, they'd be in trouble. But it. And then some people want, oh Jesus, you know, and uh, they they want that kind of Jesus. And then, but they don't realize that it's really kind of a mix of both. And but what you see in Jesus, you don't just see him as merciful. You also see him whipping the guys out of the temple, right? And that was right to do because he didn't sin. So somehow that was right. So there's, there's, a, there's a holiness, there's, there's something to be said for doing things right and not just, not just letting sin run rampant, but doing something about sin and making changes and making, making the steps. But we do see in Hebrews, I think it's 1.3, we see that Jesus was the exact representation and nature of God. So we really need to know, in other words, Jesus was the completion of what you saw in the Old Testament. That was there, and it's there for a reason. But you see the whole nature of God in Jesus. You see him forgiving the adulterous woman. You see him on the cross when he could have spoken to all these angels, ready to come down. And these guys are mocking him, saying, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. So you see the heart of God in Jesus and it's very important. So the first part of deception is to say, you know what? I don't know everything God knows. You know, he says this, he says I'm going to be able I'm I'm going to do more exceedingly abundantly above what you ask or think. In other words, He's going to, what our thoughts are is here of what he's going to do just to bless us. And he says, I'm going to go way far. And, And here's the thing, when we get to the place on this earth where we can imagine pretty high, he still says it's beyond what you can ask or think. So while we're in this body and we have this fleshly mind and we're limited by that, it's always going to be above and beyond. So we're always going to have some pieces that are unknown. We don't want to have deception, but then there's also some things in God that are unknowns. And some things we, we need to learn, and some things we is okay. It's kind of like if God showed me the unknowns about what it meant to pastor before I started pastoring. Y'all might not be hearing me tonight, right? I, I might have said, no, that's too much. I can't take that. But yet, at the same time, you might have, if now if he told me, I'd be like, yeah, let's do it because I've grown in revelation and things I should know. So there's several kinds of unknowns, at least those two kinds of unknowns. One is good and one is bad. If God's paid for you to have it and paid for you to have wisdom and knowledge and revelation of it, then we need to get that knowledge. We need to. Look, let's look at this. Let me ask you this question. Does God want us in the know? Does he want us in the know? Are, are we supposed to be tracking along with God, or is that just his business? In Ephesians 1, verse 17 through 19, it says that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you a spirit of wisdom. Now, he's praying this by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's inspiring these words as he's writing this letter. And so the Holy Spirit's saying, look, I'm praying that you will have a spirit of of wisdom and revelation and knowledge of him. That's pretty powerful stuff. In other words, he's praying that this gap will be removed. That your knowledge and wisdom and understanding and revelation of God will will be removed. That you will get to know Him. All right, and then he says this. He says, verse eighteen: I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened, so that you will know what is the hope of His calling. This is awesome stuff. What are the riches of the glory? And listen to this: of His inheritance in the saints. In other words. You, you have an inheritance. And what Paul's praying right here for the church of Ephesus is, I pray that you learn what it is. I pray that you go to the meeting with the lawyer and hear the truth about what God left for you. I pray that you find out what Jesus paid for in his death so that you can live in his life. I want you to understand what your inheritance is. And what is the surpassing greatness, not just greatness, but surpassing greatness of his power towards us who believe? This is awesome. What's God, through the Holy Spirit, having Paul pray? that we would close this gap without any question whatsoever, the things that God wants us to know in this time, that we would know, that we would know what our inheritance is, that we would have wisdom, revelation, understanding, that we would know, amen? That we would know that inheritance. He says in 1 Corinthians 2.16, For who has known the mind of the Lord, that he will instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ. This is a statement. This is a confession. This is, we have it. You know, there's a lot of people that they haven't known what the Lord was up to. And and Jesus said this, you know, I no longer call you slaves, but I call you friend. Because a friend knows what his friend is about. He knows what he's doing. And he's saying, we have a friend, and we have in that friend the ability to know the mind of Christ and what he's up to. This is an awesome statement. John 16, verse 13 through 15 says this. How are we going to know? Have you ever been like, man, what would Christ be thinking right now? I have no idea. But God wants us to know. He wants us to know this knowledge up here and not be deceived, not walk in the deception, not walk in the gap, between the knowledge of the greatness of what God has for you and for him and what we're not achieving and what we're not seeing. He doesn't want us to walk in the lack of that. He wants us to walk in the fullness of it. But how would we go about doing something? Look at this. He says in John 16, 13, But but when he, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will guide you, for he will not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will disclose to you what is to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of mine, this is Jesus talking, he will take of mine, he will take of my goodness, he will take of my knowledge, my wisdom, my revelation, he will take of mine, and he will disclose it to you. This is how the mind of Christ comes from Christ to you, is through the Holy Spirit. And when we have a relationship through the Spirit, those that worship God must worship Him in spirit and truth, because God is a Spirit. So we've got to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit to start walking in the fullness of these things. So here he's saying, when the Holy Spirit comes, and He's filling you, and He's overflowing you, He's going to start showing you what my mind is, what I have for you, Well, the the inheritance i have for you the heart that i have for you the things that i have done for you so that you'll never be in this gap if you don't want to be you can step out of it he will glorify me for he will take of mine and will disclose it to you look think, look at this he will he puts these two statements together he will glorify me In other words, the Holy Spirit is glorifying Jesus as he takes what Jesus has and gives it to you. See, a lot of people fight, oh, I know it's Jesus's, it can't be mine. Well, what you're doing is you're stepping out of the glorification that God has designed. He's designed you in his image to receive what he has and through the Holy Spirit to disclose it to you so that you can now walk in it. So that you've got a whole bunch of little Jesuses all over the earth doing what he did and not now what's happening to the darkness. The light shining and the darkness is getting beat back. This is the plan the whole time. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore I said that He takes of mine and will disclose it to you. Just listen to that statement. Everything God's got, (laughs) all of heaven, he takes it, everything that he has, everything, knowledge, power, everything, he takes it and he says, everything God has is mine and the Holy Spirit is going to disclose it to you. Not just knowledge, not just just the mind of Christ, all of it. That's why he says you're blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. Because everything God has, which is spiritual, everything, every promise, every blessing, every all of it, he's given it to Jesus, and Jesus said, I want, through the Holy Spirit, for all of it to be disclosed to you, to be passed out to you, to be handed out. When you have a need, when people around you have a need, I want you full to overflowing. And I want you walking in this stuff all the time. We need revelation by the Holy Spirit. Now, revelation can come several different ways. How do we stop walking in that deception? How do we start opening our eyes? We need revelation by the Holy Spirit. One of the first ways is we get into the Word. We start reading the Word. We start seeing who Jesus is. We start seeing who the Father is to us, what He wants to be, that Abba Father, Daddy, Daddy, the Father's heart that He has for us when He could have left us all alone, but He didn't. We start getting to know Him. We get into the Word and we start finding out, you know, He didn't take the adulterous woman and say, are you going to sin anymore, you know? Okay, then then straighten up, and then I'll love on you. No, he said, I'm a love on you, and that love is going to empower you to go and sin no more. We, the church, a lot of times and religion has flipped that around backwards. You better get straight. For you walk in this door. No, you walk in this door so you can get straight. That that's just it. So you start learning these things about who God is so that you can walk in what he wants you to have. We need the word. We need revelation that comes by getting in the word. You know, you can read a word. You can read a scripture over and over and over again, and it's just like, oh, yeah, I've read that before. And then one day you read it, and it goes, boom, you know, ding, light bulb. And so now you have revelation in it. Now you get it. It's in your heart. Now now that word, that scripture has become what's known as rhema. It says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word, by the rhema. In other words, that scripture has come alive to me now. Now it would be hard for the devil to take it. Now when I use that scripture and I stand on it, it's alive to me. It's powerful. And so that's why we get into the Word. That's why we have preaching. Also, it says this. It says, how can they hear and how can they have faith unless it's preached to them? So a lot of times the Word and the revelation of the Holy Spirit doesn't just come from you reading the Bible only or just being in prayer. Both of those are great things. All of them are are equal in a way, but it also can come by somebody saying it. Like tonight when I said who you are in Christ and that, that God's everything is Jesus and he wants to disclose it to you. Maybe in inside of somebody tonight or somebody hearing it that went, what? Praise God. What? For real? You know, maybe, maybe now they'll believe it when they ask God for something because it's come alive in them. So we need revelation by the Holy Spirit. It can come in a multiple multitude of ways. We just got to make sure that we're doing the things that we need to do and opening our eyes. How do we avoid deception and the unknowns? All right, Lord. All right, Brian, I hear what you're talking. I hear, I hear you got my attention. But how do I move and I stop getting deceived? How do I do that? How do I stop? Well, the first step is what we've already talked about. You start to get to know who God is. You start to get to know him. You start to get to know his heart. You get in... A revelation of Him. You start walking on His path, you know. And no matter where you're at, it doesn't matter if you're way down here. If you just make a decision, and it's a heart decision, you can make that turn straight back up to get on His path. It's just a decision to get in fellowship with Him, the way that He's designed it. To walk with Him, the way that He wants. He wants to love on you. He wants to be a part of your life. He wants to to uh, feel the need and feel the lack in your life. He wants to, but we haven't let him because we keep making. It's like you know, the Lord will say, "Hey, I want you to go, you know, and and uh, I want you to go and do this." And we're like, and our flesh will say, "But over here is something really, really cool, <laughs> and I, I really want to feel that. I'll do that, and then I'll come back." No, it doesn't work like that. No, it doesn't work like that. The, the key to getting back up here is right here. It's like yeses go this way and no to God's go that way. And keep saying yes, keep saying yes, keep saying yes. And before you know it, you're back on his path and you're walking in that fellowship. But the turn starts in a moment where you say, Lord, I need that. Jesus, help me. And one of the ways to keep going that direction and not turn back is to step out of deception. 1 Corinthians 11.31 says this, But if we judged ourselves rightly, we would not be judged. If we judged ourselves rightly, or uh, righteously, or in other words, correct according to God's eyes, we would not be judged. In other words, I would say it like this, without any bias, you know. I remember one time I went to go buy a car, and I was asking the Lord which, which car did he want me to have. Or, or no, I wasn't actually doing this yet because I was still not to that place. But he used this as an example to teach me. He said, remember when you were buying that car and there was the red car and the blue car? He said, you really wanted the blue car. He said, but I had blessings in the red car. And he said, now if you'd have come to me and said, Lord, which car do you want me to get? I'll get whatever you want, but I really want the blue car. Then I would have been operating in a bias. Would I have heard from him? Well, probably not unless I'd changed that bias some way. But if I'd have said, Lord, I really want the blue car, but I'll tell you, I am going to do and be happy about whichever one you want me to have. Well, now I'm coming with an unbiased attitude. And, and the word tells us this. Now I'm judging myself correctly. I'm not, I'm not coming with that. A lot of times we come to the Lord and we just want him to justify our decision. We want him to verify what we want. And what we need to do is get to the place where what we want is whatever you want. When we get to that place, we don't have to worry about verification. And we don't have to worry about what's best. Because we know the heart of the Father always is going to pick what's best for us. No matter how it looks. Because sometimes how it looks to our fleshly eyes and our fleshly mind that's down here and doesn't know all the things about God, sometimes it doesn't look like it's a positive. But if it's coming from God, it always is because He loves you. And so we have to get to the place that says, you know what, I've I've gotten to the place where I don't care what it looks like. It can look crazy. It can look like it's going to cost me way too much money or way too much time. But if you say this is what I need to do, I'm doing that. That's what I'm going to do. Well, what am I doing? I'm telling him, yes, I'm coming up out of this deception. I'm giving him the right to show me the path. I'm giving him the right to shine the light. In other words, God's not going to supersede the authority that you have over your own, over your own life. He's going to say, look, you can close the windows if you want to, or you can open them wide open to my goodness and my glory, but you've got to come at me unbiasedly. You've got to judge yourselves right. I see people all the time that they're walking in stuff and walking in stuff, and everybody looking on their life would say, of course that's not right. But that person's like, I think God told me to do this. You know. And, and no, God didn't tell you to do that. But because you're not judging yourself properly, you think you've allowed yourself to get into deception. Now you think that even what is absolutely wrong is godly and it's the exact opposite. And until somebody's willing to back up and say, you know what? I don't know what I don't know, and I just need to back up and let God show me and not go at him uh, unbiasedly, but let me judge myself properly. Let's take another look at the scriptures and see what it says. Oh, my goodness, he doesn't want me to do that. Why was I saying that God would let me do that, that he wanted me to do that? So you have to back up and, and, and take all the blinders off and judge yourself properly. So let's look at this scripture here, James 4.8. James 4.8 says this. We got three more scriptures. He says, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double minded. In other words, let's get to the place where we're willing to put ourselves in the hands of God and let him do what he wants to do. Let him purify us. Let the love of God come up in our lives in a purity because we're willing to put our minds and our hearts and our lives in his hands. Let's do that. And if we will draw near to God... He'll draw near to us. In other words, He will help us. He will meet us. He'll take you by the hand. And now you're not the one pulling yourself up by the bootstraps. The Lord is reaching down and giving you a hand. And you're not doing anything but just going along for the ride. If we would just turn our hearts to start drawing near to Him. Listen, Joshua 3, 5 says this. Did you sing the song that we were talking about? The uh, King is Among Us. And one of us, one of the verses says, if you consecrate yourself to me, I will do amazing things. Right? Well, Joshua 3.5 says, this is what he told the people, and this is a this is a characteristic of God. Consecrate yourselves or separate yourselves. Make your ways holy. In other words, don't judge yourself rightly and then do the right things. For tomorrow, if you do this, the Lord will do wonders, or the Lord will do amazing things. How many people would love to see God doing amazing things in their life? Not just like, oh yeah, it was God, you know, it showed up, it was kind of cool, you know. know, No, you're like, oh my gosh, do you know what God did? It was awesome. Those kind of things can happen when we'll consecrate ourselves, when we'll separate ourselves. How many people want those kind of testimonies? I want them. Man, I want them all the time. But the choice is ours. We can either draw near to him or not. We can either judge ourselves or not. We can be biased or unbiased when we come to him. We've got to make the decision and make the choice. I'm going to start making good decisions. I'm going to start telling him yes and never telling him no. And make it on the little things, the little decisions too. Well, that's just a little thing. I'll get that later. No, no. Right now, if it's little, now's the awesomest time to make that thing happen. That's a real word, awesomest. All right, Jeremiah 24-7. These are two of my favorite verses. He said, I will give them a heart to know me for I am the Lord and they will be my people and I will be their God glory. They will be my people and I will be their God. For they will return to me. They will return to God's path. They will return to God's knowledge. They will return to the will of a loving Father when they return to me with their whole heart. Not just a piece of it, not just, well, oh, yeah, God, you can have this area of my life because, you know, it doesn't really bother me, but I still really like this one. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep this for now. I'll give it to you later, you know, because I like it and I really want it. Me, me, me. And, and I'll give it to you later, I promise. No, if you don't give to God in the small things, how can he give you the big things? That's not your whole heart. If we want to get to the place where we're arising and we're coming back and we're stepping out of deception, we've got to say, Lord, here's my heart. Take it. Let me give it to you. Let me set it wide open so that you can do whatever you want to do. And God will take. you, you will be amazed. He'll do amazing things. Jeremiah 29, 11 through 14 he says, "For I know the plans that I have for you," declares the Lord, "plans for welfare, plans for goodness, great things, and not for calamity." This is the heart. This is the heart of God speaking towards you. I don't have a heart towards calamity for you. I have great plans, not calamity. Great plans, that ought to set you free on maybe some of the past things or some of the deceptions that the devil will try to bring on you. Well, maybe God's trying to teach you something. He'll take you through some junk like that you know, to to learn you, all right? So he says this. He says, I have plans for good stuff. (laughs) Great plans, not for calamity. To give you a future and a hope. A future and a hope. Have you ever not had hope? And then you get hope again. And isn't it wonderful? He wants us to be walking in hope. All the time. This is the life he has for us. A hoped, hopeful life. Man, did you hear about the bad news? And, and all you see is the good news. Well, I, I did hear about that. Man, I wonder what God's going to do. Because I know it's going to be awesome. Because I have this great hope that is who he is it's his nature it's his character he's got a future for me and it doesn't have calamity in it it's got hope verse 12 then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and i will listen to you what about the comfort just in knowing that god will god's hearing you god's listening to you how is these how is how are these things going to happen? How are these things going to happen? You will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. When you consecrate yourself, when you when you give them all your heart, when you judge yourself rightly, when you st- when you take off the blinders, when you stop being biased and you start being unbiased, and just you know, Lord, let me lay myself out on the table. Let me let me just lay out every area of your life and. Let me take the blinders off. I've been walking down this path thinking that it's okay, but it's obvious that it's not. It's obvious that even people under the curse would know Jesus, no real hope, had more than some of the stuff I've been walking in. That's not right. And Lord, I know that that's not your heart. So Lord, I know it's not you that's holding me back because every promise I see is that you want to lift me up. So I know it's not you. And then there's only one person left. And this is the beginning of unbiasedness. It's got to be me. So Lord, let me lay my life before you. Let me open up my heart to you. And let me just give it to you and say, do whatever you want to do. Show me the way and I'll tell you yes. Lord, help me. Take the blinders off. Let the deception be removed. And show me the way. And The Lord says in verse 14. When you do this. When you search for me with all your heart. I will be found by you. I will be found by you. In other words. You'll find God. You open up your heart. You take the blinders off. You start being unbiased. You start judging yourself rightly. And You seek him with all of your heart. With all of who you are. He says, you'll find me. You'll find me. And you know what? I've learned this about God. It doesn't take long. Matter of fact, if I think if you come up here right now and you just say, you know what, Lord? Let me open up my heart right now. I believe before we leave tonight, you will find him. So come on. Let's just give our hearts to him. Let's open up and let's stop stop walking down this path that's so shy. And walk on the path that God has. Let's stop walking in the deception. And in the place where the devil can constantly deceive us. And let's start walking in the fullness. Let's let's take the light that has come and has shone on you through Jesus. And let's arise. And reflect it. And shine it. Like there's no tomorrow. So come on. Father, we just thank you right now. We just open up our hearts. Lord, the first step is us getting to the place where we're humble. Your word says that you give grace to the humble. Lord, I just bind up any kind of deception that would say, nah, you, you, you got it, you got revelation on it, you don't need to go up there. I bind up that revela- that deception and Lord, let the light shine. There's faith that steps out and says I need that. And this is my step. I won't walk in the deception anymore. I need to walk in the light. So Lord, right now I just ask that everybody that needs to, that their heart will open up and say I need that. I need to stop walking the fake path and walk the real one. Lord, I just pray. I'm going to pray and lay hands on every person up here just that the deception, the the blinders will be knocked off. They'll be knocked off. And that the fullness of light will come and shine. If you find yourself sitting there saying, I got to get up there even though I hadn't hadn't moved yet, you just come on. That's no pressure on that. You just come on. The Lord's wanting you to be free. Step on down, down. there. Lord, we thank you right now. We thank you for your goodness and your light and the and the desire of your heart to move us out of the deception and out of the unknown things that you won't known for us lord and into the fullness of revelation in Jesus name light of god shine and deceptions be removed father we praise you for it thank you father Lord, thank you for removing in everyone veils of deception. Removing the blinders and the shades that the devil has tried to hold on lives. And Lord, let the hearts be open for everything that you have. For every promise. For every piece of life and light that it can be received in full in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father, for the veil being removed and the light shining in new ways Lord thank you for filling them up thank you Father thank you Father for fullness of life nothing missing Lord nothing broken nothing in lack nothing but the fullness of life Of life. Thank you for your fullness, Lord. Lord, thank you that out of their bellies will flow rivers of living water. Rivers of living water. Thank you, Father. Anybody else that's supposed to be up here? Come on up. Thank you, Father, for rivers of living water. Lord, I thank You for paths being illuminated tonight. Thank You, Father, for humility and humbleness of hearts. Thank You, Father, for all blinders being removed and wholeness and restoration coming and being in Jesus' name. Thank You for wholeness. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Lord, I thank you for freedom in every way, in everything. Thank you for your freedom. 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 No more deception, but freedom. In the name of Jesus, Let everything that needs to be loosed be loosed. And Lord, any attacks be bound in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father, for that freedom and life everlasting and in abundance. Thank you, Father, for freedom in every way, in everything. Thank you for new life and eyes to see new things, the fullness of you. Thank you, Father. Thank you thank you, Father, thank you, Father, for wholeness wholeness, Lord, fullness of your wholeness, Lord, I thank you that you are opening his eyes, that you're removing the ceiling that the world has kept on his head, that you are breaking through and busting it out so that he can step up with you. Draw near to God and He will draw near to you. Search for Him with everything you got. Continuously put everything you have in front of Him. Lay yourself open in front of Him and He will turn it into beauty. He will turn what areas that have been dull and so wrong and so backwards and so uh, just black and He'll turn them into the brightest of light. He'll turn things that were dark and turn it into beauty. You are his workmanship. You are his craftsmanship. And his artistry is beautiful. And what he's got planned is a masterpiece in your life. Thank you, Father. Thank you for wholeness. Thank you, Father, for wholeness in everything. Rupia, Todra. Wholeness. 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 Rivers of living water. Full and overflowing in Jesus' name. Full and overflowing in Jesus' name. Filling and advancing and empowering and enlightening. Thank you, Father, for your goodness and your mercy. Your goodness. Anyone else? Anyone else? Thank you, Father, for your goodness and your mercy in every way, in everything. Anyone else? Last.